For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. of Over the Line. I know y'all missed me yesterday. But uh, sometimes things happen. And I just couldn't be here. But I'm here now. And actually, we may have a show Friday. All of that hinging on uh, a guest we're going to have on the show. Been trying to get that whole thing situated, but... When you correspond by email, some of y'all know how I deal with the email, how hard it is for me to get back to you when you email me. It makes it a little bit harder. But uh, here on the podcast, we should... Uh, I mean, it may even happen today. If it does, it's going to be a last-minute thing. The chances are we'll do a podcast Friday... And we will have the one and only Joy Villa on the show. I told you guys I was going to reach out to her and see uh, if she wanted to come on the podcast for a few. And uh, said she'd be more than happy to do so. So we're going to try to make sure and get her on uh, this week. See, the problem is, is they're out on the West Coast. So they're like two hours behind us and they'll... They'll send me an email at like 11 or 12 o'clock, and they'll be like, if you can let me know by tonight, we'll get you hooked up for tomorrow. And it's like, I'm already in bed, cuz. I can't respond to that email. What's wrong with y'all? Anyway, it's no troubles. We'll, we'll, we'll get it hooked up one way or another. Uh, she's been somebody I've wanting to been wanting to come on to the show for a while, even when we were back on radio, and we just never got around to it. Um, but with her kind of being back in the news, what happened at the Grammys on Sunday, I guess it was Sunday, 
wearing the build the wall dress, it's probably a good time to bring her on the show. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to hook it up and uh, talk to her for a little bit and just talk about things, stuff and things, which I'm real excited about. I uh, hope everybody's been doing good. Again, sorry for yesterday. Uh, we, uh, we'll make it up to you. I promise. Last night, something weird happened on the Over the Line Facebook page. And I'm, I'm laying in bed, and I'm, I'm flipping through, just checking notifications and stuff. And I noticed I got a notification from Facebook, which you never want. Most of y'all know if you get a notifi- notification from Facebook, it's not for them to say, Hey, how you doing? How's the kids? How's mama and them? It's usually not what they're messaging you about. So I get this uh, this notification. And for those of you watching live, I'll show it to you. It simply says, let me read it. It takes, it's got one of my, my posts from the page. And it's almost like a screenshot of it with the message. Your post goes against our community standards on hate speech. And it says, no one else can see your post. We have these standards because we want discussions on Facebook to be respectful. And so, if you're wondering what post that was, that Facebook said was hate speech, qualified as hate speech, and violated their community standards, it was this one. Y'all can see that. Let me uh, get the camera. Camera, right? Okay, maybe that's not going to work. I can't reach it because of the microphone. Hold on. Is that it? No. Okay, it's not going to work. It's the it's the meme of the skinny jean-wearing, blonde-headed kid that uh, is crouched over as if he just got shot in the crotch with a rubber bullet. And the meme says, when you get shot in the groin by a rubber bullet and your made-up gender doesn't protect your willy. Okay. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, according to Facebook, that is hate speech, I assume, against the transgender community. Now, this probably was triggered by someone who got their feelings hurt and got triggered over the post and reported it to Facebook to try to save the the Facebook community from mental and emotional angst and trauma, just trying to, to save the world, save society from such bigotry and hate speech. So Facebook gives me the option to, um, to request a review to say, no, this doesn't violate your community standards, you big dummy. Look at it again. Now, my question is, is if, if you've already looked at it in the first place, why do you have to review it again? Or is it that if you get uh, a, a notification from someone saying it hurt their feelings, you just automatically take it off their Facebook page? Because that seems to be what the case is. Anyway, I request a review, and then it comes back this morning, and it says, we're sorry we got this wrong. We reviewed your photo again, again, and it does follow our community standards, We appreciate you taking the time to request a review. Your feedback helps us do better. I gave them a big, fat, frowny face as their review. 
but that's really that's really my first run in with facebook on uh on the over the line page because we've never really posted anything scandalous I mean, we still don't post anything scandalous um but we were kind of restricted about what we posted when that particular page was linked to the radio station and technically when we were at the station the, the radio station owned that page they were the ones that created it and, and they had the rights to it and all this kind of stuff because they were scared that if we left for another station we would take it and all our followers with us like it was gonna you know do some sort of irreversible damage or whatever silly rules Nonetheless, once it was all said and done, because of the way it went down, I convinced them to let me keep the page, so they did. Uh, but that's the first time we've had something like that happen. <laughs> and uh, we won that time, but who's to say the next post that is not hate speech, it's just a funny meme, uh, gets hit. And I'm sure Facebook has got some sort of three strikes rule where they completely uh, deactivate your account and it's gone which really it, it really hurts people and I don't, I don't think I really grasped the the weight of that and and how much that that hurts somebody or hurts a business or a show or whatever until now because if you've got thousands of followers on a page that took you, you know, a couple of years to build, and then all of a sudden that's taken away, and you got to start a brand new page from scratch. That's tough. It's tough to to get all those people back because you, you know, it's not like I I know all three thousand people that are on that page, and I can just send them all a message and be like, "Hey, I have the new page." So anyway, that was just a little tidbit from last night. Russian collusion. I agree. It's probably uh, what it was. Russian AI bots colluding with Facebook. Chances are that's it. Uh, what else? I, I think that's all I, I got for you uh, outside of, of the news of the day. Big stuff going on. And, and really, it was kind of a shame that we didn't do a podcast yesterday because there was so much going on. And, but it was a lot of news hitting us all at the same time. So I don't even know how much in our time slot i could have really brought you because a lot of it started hitting towards the end of the show but where we're at now is we have a deal apparently we have a deal in uh in in dc to prevent the government from shutting down in two days we have almost completed the three weeks where donald trump said you know what i'll end the government shutdown because the democrats are a bunch of losers, I'll end the shutdown, and I'll extend this thing for three weeks. I'll open the government for three weeks, and then y'all figure out what you're going to do. Get me a deal that I can sign that works for everybody, both sides, and then we will uh, we'll move on. We'll keep the government open. Here we are. Friday is the end of that continuation, and uh, the Democrats and now the Republicans— in the Senate have jumped on board and are urging the president to sign this. What does this thing entail? It includes 1.4, roughly $1.4 billion 
for a border wall or a physical barrier, if you will. 1.4, which is shy of the 5.7 billion that Trump was asking for. It also includes a lot of other things that are, uh, you know, enhancing uh, uh, ports of entry, a border patrol agent, so on and so forth. I- I'll go through the details of what all's in there because um, there's some stuff in there that it, there there are actually some positive things in there. The problem is is we that support the border wall and support the president feel like the main issue was the money for the the wall and that it is not going to get done in the fashion that we wanted it to get done. And it's understandable why we feel that way because the other side complains about it being taxpayer dollars. Well, Donald Trump said Mexico was going to pay for it. The taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for it. I don't agree with it. The wall is immoral and it's racist and I don't want to pay for it. I don't want my tax dollars going. How about this, buddy? I've been paying my tax dollars to kill black babies in the hood by $500 million per year. My tax dollars have been going to that. And I think that's immoral. I think that's racist, but I ain't had a choice. And building a wall is much less immoral than killing black babies. At least in my view, it is. Killing children, especially disproportionately killing African-American children, seems a little bit more immoral and racist than building a wall on the southern border. I've been forced to pay for that murder for so long. And we've been through this before. We've talked about how we've been forced to pay for these murders. But now we, the border supporters, the, the, the supporters of the president, are supposed to say, well, you know, right, you're right. It's not fair that you have to pay for something that you don't agree with. Where if we say we don't want to pay for Planned Parenthood, we're trying to take the rights of women away and take this country back 60 years. Rights. Right. This is why Donald Trump won right here. Because Republicans would always bend to the Democrats. They would always let the Democrats get the good end of the deal. Always. But the Democrats would never compromise with the Republicans. And when the Republicans tried to get the good end of the deal, the Democrats would never allow it to happen. And here we are yet again with the same song and dance. But that's why Donald Trump got elected, because we were sick of seeing that happening. And it looked like over the past few months, it looked like Republicans had grown a backbone. That these guys had finally taken the advice from Donald Trump, directly or indirectly, and started standing up for the people that put them in office, the people that put the president into office. We're like, wow, Mitch McConnell's got some gonads all of a sudden. What's up? But that was short-lived. And now we're back with Mitch McConnell standing side-by-side with Richard Shelby 
and all the other jabronis in the halls of Congress say, I hope the president signs this bill. Now, if the president does sign this bill, that doesn't mean it's the end of the, the, the border wall stuff. This bill pays for approximately 55 miles of border wall. And as you know, as the president stated time and time again, there are, there's money elsewhere to take to put towards the wall. And uh, there's a good, good amount of money that's available to him to put towards the wall. And that's even outside of declaring a, a national emergency. I'll break that stuff down for you as well, well while we talk about what exactly is in this bill. But... The president has made several comments on this, expressing his extreme displeasure at the bill, but also hinting as if he is going to sign this thing. Sign it to get this thing rolling, take the money that the Democrats are going to allow, and then use the other outlets to fund the rest of the border wall. Keep in mind, this, this $5.7 billion, it's not a number that Donald Trump made up. Donald Trump, in his little racist mind, didn't just come up with $5.7 billion because he thinks personally that's what they need for the wall. This is border agent after border agent after supervisor after military expert, person after person that directly deals with the border. Have, they've come to him and they said, this is what we need. This is what we need to secure the border. This is what we need to make our jobs either easier or more effective. These are the things we need. And so Donald Trump turns around and he goes to Congress and he says, hey, here's what we need. They told me themselves. It's not a number that comes from Donald Trump. It's not a number he made up out of thin air. This is what the guys on the border say they need. And Donald Trump is simply trying to give it to them. But instead of listening to the people that know, the politicians in D.C. surrounded by walls, walls around the halls of Congress, walls around their mansions in D.C., they say, well, you know, the experts say that a wall would be ineffective and wasteful. Wasteful. Democrats, not only are Democrats the most wasteful people on the planet, but this is not even an amount that would consider being wasteful. This is a number they would use to just round up. Like if $5.7 billion went missing from the Treasury, it's not even enough money for them to try to track down. They wouldn't even look for it. But Democrats are trying to act like this would put America in a hole, or it would, it would cause our debt to skyrocket cause our deficit to go through the roof. They're playing the American people. They're playing their constituents, which they've done for a long time. It's no surprise. This is a big show by the Democrats that simply don't want the president to have a win. But the president is showing that he is the only one. Well, I don't say he's the only one. Well, no, I, I will say that. He's the only one on Capitol Hill that cares about the federal workers. The Democrats don't care about the federal workers because, again, during the 30-plus day shutdown, they could have ended that at any given time. 
And now here they are again, refusing to give the president what he's asking for as the president is giving them what they're asking for and risking yet another shutdown and furlough for the federal workers that they claim to care so much about. They care more about wasting, about not wasting $5.7 billion than they do about those federal workers going to work and getting paid. And they know, the Democrats know that Donald Trump does. He's the one that does care about those federal workers. That's why they're putting him in this position. He doesn't want them to get furloughed. And the Republicans, too, Republicans are telling Donald Trump that it's going to hurt him tremendously if he allows another shutdown. Because there's always been this this thought within the Republican Party that when there is a government shutdown, that there is this, this immense political damage done to Republicans. That it really knocks them down in the polls, that it really hurts them when it comes to re-election. And it's really not even true. It's not. Because Republican voters get it. If there's a government shutdown and it's, it's for a good cause, if it's for a needed reason, like the safety of the American people, the Republican voters will continue to back these guys. Because all they want is for them to stand up for something. They just want them to stand up for something for once. And so, if anything, it gives them a boost. But they've long been told that it is very damaging for them to allow a government shutdown. So, they do anything they can to prevent that from happening. It's why they roll over for the Democrats. And never get what they want. That's why the Democrats always get what they want. Republicans are too scared of a shutdown. It's time to stop being scared of a shutdown. It's not going to hurt you. All right, let me blow through some headlines real quick, and then uh, we'll we'll get after it on this edition. What is it? February 13th, 2019. That's right. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. I wish I had a cool advertiser that sold flowers or candy that I could tell you about, but I don't. So just go to Walgreens and get a card and some roses. That's my advice. You're welcome. Uh, okay, headlines. Let's do this. Uh, we'll talk about the border stuff, the, 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 the bill that will be on the president's desk if it's, already, if it's not already there. Um, what else? We'll give you reaction to the bill on both sides of the aisle. I'll let you know what they said. We're going to be talking about the rally from Tuesday night. Since we didn't do the podcast yesterday, we didn't get to talk about it. But we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the competing rally with Beto O'Rourke there in El Paso. What happened there. Uh, we'll also be touching on, let's see. Um, oh. We'll be talking about our favorite Muslim congresswoman, Ilham Omar. Is that how we say her name? We'll also be talking about illegal immigration and what's been happening to the American people because of it. I've got several news stories on that front. We'll be talking about Kamala Harris and um, just anti-Semitism, I guess. Oh, I want to talk about Kareem Hunt as well who was just signed to the Browns. Remember, he was the guy that played for the Chiefs uh, that got caught on video beating up a chick. I, 
I guess the chick was his girlfriend, fiance or something. Or maybe it was just a random chick. I don't know. I didn't really follow the story. I'm just so used to NFL players beating the crap out of women. It's just a, another standard news story to me. Uh, but he got booted from the Chiefs, I guess, last season or early this season. I guess it was this past season. And now he's been, in a very short time, been re-signed to the Browns. And people are not happy about that. So, we'll break that down. Uh, before we flip over to this break and then come back on the other side and get to that stuff, I want to tell you about Nick the Marketer at nickthemarketer.com. You guys need to make sure you go and check this dude out because uh, these guys are number one at managing your website, managing your social media. Again, I, I don't want you guys to think that you've got to have some big booming business to be able to to get with Nick and have him help you with your digital footprint. It could be anything. I mean, if you've got uh, a small business where you've only got, you know, a handful of employees, or it's a business where you're just doing things yourself, you're doing a podcast, you're 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 doing uh, monogram stuff, whatever the case is, this guy can make sure that the right eyes get in front of your product and they he takes those clicks on your website and turns them into customers. He optimizes the search engines uh, where, where people, when they go to Google and they search for your product, not necessarily you, but just your type of product or your service, they've basically got to trip over your link in order to get anything else. Nobody does it better than these guys. NickTheMarketer.com is the website. You can call them at 205 610-9550-205-610-9550. Again, nickthemarketer.com. They are proud sponsors of this show right now and have been for a long time. I appreciate Nick. He's a solid dude. And uh, I wouldn't be talking him up like this if I didn't know if I didn't know how good of a job he does. So over the line show, over the line show.com. Andrew McLean hanging out with you. Y'all hang tight. Back on the other side. Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best 
businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, contact me, Andrew, at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. Thank y'all for hanging out with me, especially y'all on the live video over here. And those of you that are listening to the recorded version of this here show. Uh, Next segment, I think we'll have Jeff Poor on. And the reason I want to bring him on is for a story that I didn't mention in the first segment. And then (laughs) I can't get enough of this one. It is the fact that Cliff Sims, author of Team of Vipers, former 101WYTE show host, owner of Yellowhammer Radio and Yellowhammer News, former owner, and uh, former aide to the President of the United States. He is now suing the president of the United States. I'm actually really excited about this because just when I thought his stupid little book couldn't cause any more comedy in the political realm for myself, and I know for a lot of you guys, he decides he's going to sue the president. And get this, you know why he's suing the president? Because Donald Trump was mean to him. And uh, mean to him on Twitter in the sense of attacking his book. I'm not even making this up. And and I caught on to it, or I found out about it, because uh, Jeff Poor sent me the link to uh, a New York Times article, and I'm scrolling through here. I've tweeted so much over the past few days, I can't even friggin' find the story. But I think it was from Maggie Haberman, 
at the New York Times who broke the story, if I'm not mistaken, and it said, um, yeah, here it is, Maggie Haberman. Cliff Sims is suing the president in his official capacity, charging he is using the campaign as a cutout to seek retribution that he can't as president. So basically, he is suing Donald Trump in his capacity as president of the United States uh, for going after him via Twitter or whatever over his book. Now, my first thing, my first question, and this is just the same song and dance. My first question is, is the book not doing that good if you've got to sue the president to try to get some money out of him? I don't know. Somebody sent me a text and they asked me, uh, who does Cliff think he is? Stormy Daniels. And I was like, well, I mean, he's got one thing in common with her besides suing the president. They're both a couple of whores. So that's going to be interesting. Also, what reminded me about that was the fact that um, I just got a message that, that Cliff Sims will be on Rick and Bubba on Tuesday, if I got that right, Tuesday of next week. So he is officially making his, his rounds in the Birmingham media. Now, for those of you outside of the area, uh, Rick and Bubba is uh, one of the, I guess, the biggest morning show here in the state of Alabama and, and pretty big across the country. Um, he has a relationship with those guys, and so it's no surprise that he would go on there. I just wonder if they're going to be pushing back on him or they're going to play patty cake. I don't have anything wrong. I don't have to, anything against Rick and Bubba. I actually like the guys, uh, but I'm afraid that uh, they're going to play with kid gloves just because they've got that personal relationship, and I don't hold that against them at all. I just want Cliff to go on a show where somebody is actually going to take him to task. And I've already put my request in for him to come on this podcast. And just a simple phone call, just call in, no big deal. And just talk about what all's going on. What's going on with you? Just writing a book with a bunch of leaks in it, suing the president, not much. And ask him why. Why he's being such an idiot. So, Cliff the Gopher, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to call him Gopher Sims when we start the segment. Hopefully he'll come on. I don't know. I don't know if he will or not. You know, he he walked around like his ish didn't stink when I was around him. So, I got to assume that that's still the case if it's not worse. we will uh, We will see. So anyway, all right, let's uh, let's get some of these headlines. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to do this? All right. First of all, overthelineshow.com. Don't forget to go sign up for the newsletter because once we add new things to the website, I want to be able to uh, pass along to you guys uh, what's new about the website and remind you to visit because I know you guys, with the lack of content on there, you're not visiting the website every day unless you're going there to listen to the show, which you can do. You can uh, listen to the show right from the webpage or use your favorite podcast app, as you know. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, uh, Pocket Cast, iTunes, whatever. It's all, the, it's all the same. So you can do that. Uh, let's start off with uh, what we talked about at the very beginning and the 
the deal that Congress has uh, given to the president. Now, I don't know uh, what's going to happen with that. And, and I don't think that the president is necessarily going to sign that deal this morning because uh, the rest of the, the Senate, or actually Congress and the Senate, do not know the details of this deal. They just know the parameters, right? So at noon today, which in D.C., that'll be 11 o'clock here in Alabama in the central time zone, at 11 o'clock, approximately an hour from now, the Senate or congressional Republicans and, and Democrats will officially get the bill and be able to read the details of it to see exactly what it entails. Again, a lot of them agree with the parameters of it, Democrats especially. Some Republicans are like, eh, you know, whatever, just sign it. We, we can't let the government get shut down again because they're scared of the big, scary shutdown. I love how Democrats, they... They hype up the whole uh, how bad the government shutdown is. It's absolutely ridiculous. They act like it's the end of the world because why? They only care about government. They don't care about the American people. Um, but we'll find or they'll find out what the details are and then they will pass that along to us. I don't know if that's going to be published anywhere online for your average American to read, but chances are it's going to be so lengthy and bogged up it's not even going to be worth reading. You're better off just getting a synopsis from somebody else. Uh, but we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what their reactions are. That's going to be the important thing to watch for. Watch the reactions of people like, um, I don't know, Ted Cruz, uh, Senator Kennedy, uh, who else? Rand Paul. Some of these guys, watch for their reaction once they they get this bill. And you can get a good feel of of if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but Trump, again, has expressed his extreme displeasure with it, but the way he's talking about it is as if he's going to sign it and then go the other routes of getting money. Now, what are those other routes of him getting money? Um, there's $2 billion sitting aside that he can go ahead and snatch up and add to the border wall. $2 billion that... He is well within his rights to get it. Nobody can stop him from getting it. Okay? And even if, if this national emergency stuff moves into litigation and moves into the courtrooms and all that, makes its way to the Supreme Court, Trump's going to win that battle, no doubt about it. It's just a time issue at that point. So, uh, $2 billion is sitting there for Donald Trump. So if he gets the $1.4 billion that the Democrats have decided to give up, which is, you know, 5.7 was a drop in the bucket, so you can imagine what 1.4 is. Uh, he'll take that, because here's the time frame, and I know I'm jumping all over the place. You started off where they were asking 20-something billion dollars for overall border security, okay? For the wall and the ports of entry and, and, and added border patrol agents, blah, 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 blah. That moved down to, what was it, 18, then to like 10, and then to like 5.7, and then we were there. And then the Democrats were like, we'll give you uh, 1.7 or whatever it was. And then they took it away, and then Nancy Pelosi offered a dollar, and then the Democrats were like, we're giving you nothing for the wall. Now they're back up to 1.4, 1.3, something, something, something. So 
that's where we're at. Donald Trump, if he signs this bill, he takes the 1.3, as well as a lot of other money that is in there for other border security. It's just them appropriating this for the wall. The 1.4 is strictly for the barrier. So he takes that, then he goes and grabs the $2 billion that he can he can legally take, add that to the wall. And the thing is, that $2 billion, that thing resets, and I don't know what how much it is. I don't know if it's more than $2 billion or it's just another $2 billion, but that resets in seven or eight months. So if he takes the $2 billion, adds it to the $1.4, he's then got $3.4 billion. And then in seven, eight months, he's got another $2 billion sitting there that he can use. That then brings you up to 5.4. You're almost at the 5.7 that you wanted. And boom, he's good. He's good to go. So maybe that's it. The only reason that people like myself or you guys would oppose this is because of the reason I explained earlier. The fact that it feels like a loss. If he signs this bill, it feels like a loss. Now, you got to keep in mind, as I said, Donald Trump is the only person that cares about federal workers, and it is probably the sole reason he would sign this thing. Otherwise, he would continue to call their bluff. He doesn't want federal workers not getting paid. He doesn't want people furloughed. The guy has proven himself to be the guy in Washington, D.C. that cares about the American worker, people in the private sector and the public sector. So he doesn't want that to happen. The other politicians, they don't care. That's why they get to sit here and stall. That's why they get to allow the government to shut down, because they don't care. They don't care about federal workers. But it feels like a loss to us because the Democrats will do an end zone dance when the president signs this. And the media, where the media should talk about, well, you know what? Finally, the president did something good. He compromised with Democrats in a very bipartisan way, reached across the aisle. The president is finally showing, showing some, uh, some, some willingness to work with the Democrats. They won't do that. They'll call him a chump. They'll call him uh, the, the worst negotiator in history. The art of the deal is dead. They'll mock the crap out of him. That's what they'll do. If Donald Trump does something that benefits the Democrats politically, which in this case they will feel like it does, the media is going to mock him. They're not going to give him credit for preventing the government from being shut down. They're going to mock the bejesus out of him. And he knows that. So it's not like he's going to get anything politically, uh, any political praise from the media if he signs this thing. But for us, again, it feels like a loss because we want this to go as an L against the Democrats, at least for me. And, And I don't mean to speak for you guys. For me, I want it to be an L on the Democrats. I want them to suffer the loss. I want them to admit that a border wall is badly needed. And they're apparently not going to do that. This is such a a non-issue, and it has been a non-issue for a long time, until Donald Trump became president. But it's going to feel like a loss. Just remember, 
that this wall is going to get built, no matter if he signs this thing or not. This wall is going to get built. I can't stand to hear the people say, you know what, I'm done with this president. If he signs this bill, I'm done with him. If he signs this bill, do you just throw everything else that he's done during his time in, uh, in the White House? You just throw all that to the side, all the good he's done? If he does one bad thing, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is just a situation where he's backed into a corner. I think he's forced to do this. Call it a loss for Trump or whatever you will. But Trump is just showing that he cares more about the federal workers and the American workers than the Democrats do. Unfortunately, he won't get credit for that, but I don't think he really cares. He's just trying to simply do the right thing. Do the right thing for the American people. Do the right thing for the federal workers. Doing the right thing for the safety and sovereignty of this country. But if you look into the bill, once it comes out, this is the little bit of information we do know. We know that there's obviously $1.4 billion for the wall. There's also an expansion of how many beds they can have in detaining illegal immigrants, okay? So the Democrats came out in, in, in a... I, I guess in part of their strategy and wanted to cap the numbers, reduce the numbers of beds that the border patrol and, and ICE agents can have to detain people illegally crossing the border. And that number was like 16,000. So Democrats were saying for people crossing in this country illegally, once we catch 16,000 of these, if you catch any more past that, you have to then release them into the wild. Release them into America and let them do, no matter who they are, murderers, rapists, drug traffickers, whatever, you have to set them free. We're going to have a cap on how many people you can detain. Democrats were literally pushing for that. And I don't know if that's legitimately what they wanted or if it was a negotiation tactic, but that's what they were pushing for. Now, this new bill, goes from 16,000 beds to like 45,000 beds. It also expands ICE opposed to defunding ICE or reducing ICE as people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez want to do. Many people in the Democrat Party want to completely get rid of ICE. This actually expands ICE in some capacity. Again, I don't know the details. But there are several good things that this president has pushed for in this bill. So there's several small wins. But the concentration this entire time has been on the border wall. So it's hard for people to look past that issue and look at the other things in the bill that are actually a good thing. And the Democrats will try to hide those things. The last thing the Democrats want is for their extreme left-wing followers to know that they are giving ICE immigration and customs enforcement even more money. They don't want them to know that because they will be very displeased. But that's what they're doing. That's what's in this bill. So that'll come out. We'll find out. Again, once they get their hands on that stuff, we'll find out exactly what is uh, 
what's what. Again, watch for people's reaction. And that's going to tell you a lot about what you need to know as far as what is in that bill. Right now, I've got my man Jeff Poor on the line. Y'all know Jeff Poor, famous radio show star, superstar. <laughs> Jeff, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited. Uh, I was just telling the, the listeners here that usually uh, we put this thing together last minute. I always forget to hit you up and actually schedule something. But you're such a, a good sport that you're like, eh, yeah, sure, I'll call in, talk to you. Well, as, as I've learned in, in, in this racket of radio that, that you never know when you're going to need that last-minute guest, right? That's it. You're exactly right. Speaking of which, have you had a big – I know you have like three or four guests a day on your radio show – have you had any knockdown drag out fights yet? Not too bad. It isn't really that kind of show uh, that I have a limited amount of time to like talk to somebody. So you, you're you more just trying to pick their brain. Like, So, for example, I have some liberal guests. I have a former Democratic congressman come on every week named Parker Griffith. He was, he was congressman before Mo Brooks was up here in the Huntsville area. As I can see, we've had Josh Moon from Alabama, political reporter, and I'm always fascinated by these guys. Like, why do they think this is the way to do it? Why are they for this? And and, and in the case of Moon, like, why is he so? I don't know. Passion's the word. Maybe sometimes it's it's a little vitriolic, but why is he? Why is he so forceful with his opinions like this? And it's always like, so tell me, you believe this because, and then you let them explain it, and I think that makes for a decent radio show. Yeah, no doubt. Have you had uh, Mallory Hungry Hagen on the show yet? I don't think she's <laughs> going to come on the show anytime soon. Uh, she's not a big fan of yours, truly. I will have her. Uh, I will have her opponent on today. The the victorious opponent in that election, Mike Rogers. Yeah. Uh, he's uh. So apparently today, our our Secretary of State John Merrill is uh, testifying before Congress and. Uh, He's testifying before the committee, the Homeland Security Committee, uh, committee and uh, Rogers is the ranking Republican on that committee right now. So we're going to have some Alabama. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I think how how Facebook and the, the shenanigans that went on during that 2017 uh, election, how they unfolded and what his office is on the state level, Merrill's office that is, did to uh, did, did to try to try to counter that. No, oh, I haven't told you this, but. Uh... Facebook is coming after the over the line page. They said I was promoting hate speech and violating community standards. I I posted a picture about uh transgender like uh it was it was a guy that was hunched over that looked like he had just gotten hit in the crotch with a rubber bullet, you know, skinny jeans wearing blonde-headed kid or whatever. And it said uh when you get hit with a rubber bullet in the crotch and your made-up gender doesn't protect your willy. And they said that was hate speech and took my post down. Now pushed back on them and asked for a review and they ended up putting it back up. But I feel like I've been uh, unjustly labeled as a hate speecher. And I don't think that's well, fair. I, I kind of wonder like, what, what is the end game there with Facebook? Like what, and what's the end game for all, you know, and in the places I work just rely on Facebook as much as, as anybody, especially Breitbart. But what, 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 how does how does this play in? Like, does does Facebook just get to to, to be the the kingmaker and get to be the the hall monitor, or do they say, you know, over the line, you know, Breitbart, you know, Yellowhammer, y'all been y'all been getting a lot of traffic off our our platform. Well, we don't think we're going to give that to you for free anymore. We want you to pay for it. I I, I wonder how this ends because to me, 
it can't go on forever, right? Like they can't be just giving the the shop away for free when they have a commodity that they can maybe monetize. Well, and you think about it though, and they've got the you know as far as the advertising end of it, they've got the largest audience out of anybody to advertise. So the ad revenue has got to be tremendous, obviously, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it does turn out that way. I, I think they know if they did try to go that route that it would just drive people away and open the door for for that new platform to pop up and allow people to come over to the new Facebook or whatever. But who knows? I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it turns well, out. Well, let me ask you that. Though. Then, then, then what, what do you think that is? Like, how come something hasn't come along? Because if you remember early on, we had like, message boards and then we had myspace or we had aol then we had message boards then we had myspace and then we have facebook facebook has now been it for the last what 13 years yeah it's been the thing so nothing's come along to 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 take nothing's come i mean twitter tried instagram tried they facebook bought instagram but i i, I right now we're at this this point in our like way technology is it's not advancing nothing's come along to rival facebook there's no new thing right now i wonder if that's just that's on purpose the silicon valley think well we're doing pretty good with this facebook stuff right now let's just keep stats forward there's, there's just no market disruption so I, I i think about these things sometimes and i wonder why what the next trend is well i think it's a deal where uh, any new platform is like marijuana and facebook is like the pharmaceutical company and in order to to protect themselves, they end up offing the new platform in some fashion, end up shutting yeah. them down somehow, or buy them out or something. Yeah, right? exactly. but like even Yahoo had its day, AOL had its day. Right now, Google, Facebook, and Apple and Amazon—that that's just the big four, right? And nothing's nothing. The new cool new thing hasn't really come along yet that, that would disrupt their 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 market. Well, Facebook has had this talent of of being able to keep up with technology. I think that was the downfall for things like MySpace is technology evolved in such a such a, a wild way, an unpredictable way that they just weren't able to keep up with it quick enough to compete with something like Facebook once it came along. You know, MySpace was so cluttered because you had to do like you, you almost had to learn how to code just to make a custom yeah. page for yourself. And Facebook right. is like, now nah, you ain't got to do all that. Come over here. We got something much easier. So. Right. I, I agree with that. And then I just, the, 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 no one else's, the question is, why has anybody else come up with something cooler yet? Yeah. We're still waiting for that moment, I guess. No doubt. All right, let's do this. Let's move over real quick. What I've been talking about this morning is this bill that is uh, either sitting or about to be sitting on the president's desk to prevent the government from being shut down. Allegedly, it only includes $1.4 billion for a wall, a lot of funding for a lot of other things. Uh, Republicans feel like it's going to be a loss. And I say Republicans, I say conservative voters feel like it's going to be a loss if the president signs this. But on the other hand, Republicans in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, Richard Shelby, whoever, they're urging the president to sign it what what do we got going on here i think he's got to sign it because i don't think if they go into another shutdown trump can, can do as well as he did in his last shutdown i don't think uh trump voters are going to like it very much i don't like the deal i i think they gave away too much but and, and, and democrats what did they give away they're, they're going to give him one one point whatever for the the law sure five whatever but uh 
he's got to sign it. The reason is, I, I think if they have another shutdown, you're not going to be able to keep that many Republicans on your side. They're, they're, you're, it's going to be Republicans, not Democrats, that start peeling away from Trump. I mean, or their leadership. So, you know, if we go into a shutdown, there's not going to be any Democrats saying, just give them the wall. There may be one or two, but there's going to be a lot more Republicans saying, just sign the bill, just open the government back up. We don't want to answer our constituents. It's always the Republicans that cave. I, and I, I thought maybe we were seeing a different day after this last shutdown, but there at the end, it was pretty clear. Uh, you know, you had the, the five Republican Senate defections, and that was the end of it for Trump. Trump came to the uh, three-week extension there. Yeah, we felt like uh, Republicans had grown some gonads uh, in, in taking some advice, some indirect advice from the president and actually standing up for themselves for once. And now here we are. We feel like we're back to the same old Republicans that uh, give everything to the Democrats and get nothing in return. And it sucks. Now, we know we know that the president has the ability to snatch money from other places. And really, within the next seven to eight months, that could add up to over uh, $5 billion, if not more. So should conservatives be looking at this as a loss in the sense of, of that, where he's going to be able to 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 finish or fund the wall like he says he's going to do i i i think he's going to do that i think that if you, the person i tell you to watch when you're watching fox news at night keep an eye on uh senator lindsey graham uh he he's the one that asked trump's ear he, he kind of acts as a surrogate for him and if you heard him the other night i, I think he was on handy right before trump's rally in el paso he said that he would urge the president to take this deal they go the emergency route. Now, the question is, what does the emergency route look like? How are they going to pull that off? How do they how do they do it in a way, I think, that, that makes it harder? At least you make it somewhat harder for whatever advocacy groups to, 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 to hold it up in a court, at a federal court. The, if, he, if he writes it in a way, he doesn't – you know, the big mistake, the very first big mistake in the Trump presidency, do you remember the travel ban? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the the travel ban wasn't well thought out. It was something Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller kind of threw together. They didn't think about the, a legal strategy. If Trump does this, if he does the, the the emergency order for the wall, he needs to sit down with some lawyers and some smart people and write the order in a way that makes it very difficult for whoever's going to challenge it and try to hold it up in court. And some people think it could be years before – before we get a resolution on that, Trump might be out of office. But I mean, it's a dangerous game you're playing here. If you if you do this and the court finds that you can do it, what does that open up the door for? It opens up the door for other presidents to do it in the future. And who knows? Like what that means? What 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 would Barack Obama consider a national emergency? Right. Like, so I, I I I would hesitate to do it, but if he does it. It needs to be done smart. It needs to be done in a way that makes it harder for legal challenges. Well, and I think we've 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 gotten uh, far enough into his presidency and the experience that Trump has gained, or the lessons he has learned along the way, has got them in that frame of mind where they've learned from their mistakes and uh, how poorly done the the Muslim ban, quote unquote, went. Uh, I don't think they would do that again, and I, I, I would hope that they would take your advice in the sense of, of 
making this thing bulletproof, especially since they know it's going to be going through the courts. I, I've got to imagine that they're going to be prepared in that sense. But it's uh, definitely a crazy situation. And, and as I explained to, to earlier on the show, it's it's a situation where Donald Trump seems to be the only person on Capitol Hill that cares, actually cares about the federal workers that are affected by a government shutdown. And the Democrats know that. That's why they've backed him into this corner with two days to go, because they're saying, hey, you know, you're going to let him uh, get laid off or furloughed or whatever again. You're going to keep the paychecks from these families if you don't sign the deal that we're putting out there. Because during the 30-plus day shutdown, they could have ended that at any time. All they had to do was take this drop in the bucket of $5.7 billion and give it to the president, and those people they claim to care so much for would have been right back to work, would have been getting their paychecks, but they refused to do it, which tells me, and, and I would think the rest of the American people, that Donald Trump's the only guy that cares about these people. No, I don't disagree with that. Uh, the, the problem is, how do, they, how, how do Republicans prove that, right? The, the, the Republicans... No matter what they do, they're, they're facing an uphill battle, first of all, with the media. And people, you know, they're going to believe the news media. They're going to blame Donald Trump. They're going to think the wall is stupid. So, you know, I I would hesitate to say that even though you're you're factually correct, it, it's going to be very difficult for Republicans to prove that. It's going to be very difficult for the Trump administration to prove that. Because court of public opinion suggests otherwise, that the president's the commander-in-chief. Uh, the buck stops here, and if he forces us into a shutdown situation, then he doesn't care about us or, or whatever, right? So I, I just think that the the battle there is going to be the PR fight, and I, I don't think the PR fight right now, at least not right now, it's not winnable. Well, let's move over to um, Cliff Sims, our favorite former White House aide, and the new news coming from him, coming from his front, and that is... Uh, he is bored with the book tour and now is suing the president of the United States. What do you know about that? Well, the book tour is sort of, I, I, what I understand, the book, book tour is on hold right now, given this these new legal developments. So how that ever, however that works it out, it, it works itself out. It remains to be seen. Who knows if anybody will care about the book by then. But what, you know, what had happened was there was a lawyer that said, any former staffer that wants to sue the Trump administration, I'll, you know, we'll handle your court case. Well, they're handling that, that lawyer. I, I, his name escapes me. Is handling post court case. It was one of these guys early on that was anti-Trump and wanting to uncover like all the big secrets. And that that was the uh, that, that 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 was the idea there. So so Cliff's keeping some weird company these days. I. You know what's next for Cliff? When he does this, he's he's burnt the bridge with Trump. That and then I would I would suspect by extension, he's burnt the bridge with Trump supporters. So, is he still is he is it still possible he could come back to Alabama and run for office? <laughs> or, <laughs> oh, or, or is he gaming for something like a perhaps a CNN contributorship? I don't know. He's 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 doing PR and he's doing lobby. Easily. He's working for government affairs. In Washington, but now that everyone's kind of soured on him, at least it seems like then, like really soured on him this time. Then, well, what's next for him? And that's whatever, whatever I think is going on now is setting Cliff up 
for what his next move is. Now, you laugh about him running for office. He's still got, I mean, he's burned a lot of bridges in Alabama, but he still has a lot of, he knows a lot of powerful people. Uh, you know, Yellowhammer didn't come out of the ground. It had, he had some help with it, right? Right. So I, I, I wouldn't discount him. I, I, I you know, he, he's been successful in the past. Uh, and, and as we know in this state, somebody like Richard Shelby, who Trump, Trump seems to like, but I've never been convinced was fully on board with the, 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 the Trump agenda wins every time. Right. Even the, his challengers never, never, ever put a, you know, lay a glove on him. So yeah, I, I, I always politics it. is weird. I get vibe, bad vibes from, from <laughs> Richard Shelby in the first place. First of all, he reminds me of a villain from a Batman movie. And second of all, he's always the during the Roy Moore stuff and even in this situation where he's urging the president to sign this. I'm like, you know, leave that up to the Democrats. Don't don't urge the president, which I understand politically. Richard Shelby's trying to pretend as he cares for the the federal worker, so on and so forth. But man, that's just how I feel about him. Also, I think Cliff Sims is going to come back to Alabama and run as a Democrat. Run as a Doug Jones Democrat. What do you think? No way. He's a Republican. <laughs> he was he was a he was a chairman of the College of Republicans at the University of Alabama. He's not a liberal guy. He's a social conservative. The the, the thing that's kind of funny about Cliff is that the, the word the word is that he was and I, I know this just from listening to him a little bit during the the, the 2015. He wasn't on the idea. He wasn't he wasn't pro Trump. He there was some Trump bashing there. And it was, you know, and, and I remember especially when uh, he, he went on like MSNBC and some other places, I believe, when Donald Trump came to Huntsville, Jeff Sessions endorsed at Madison Stadium there. And the Cliff still wasn't, he wasn't really still sold on that, even with the Jeff Sessions endorsement. Uh, but it's always like the, it was always the Ted Cruz, uh, the you know the, the he was from he was from that wing of the Republican Party, right? And it he, he got ugly there. There was a you know, I mean, Congressman Mo Brooks still hasn't lived that down up here, being so uh, so anti-Trump and outspoken about Trump, and I, and that really hurt his Senate bid in 2017. So I, I you know him being a Democrat, I know that, that might be a little that might be a little far. I, I still think he's a Republican. I just don't think he's. I, I don't think he was ever really the, the Trump style Republican. He may have changed, and you know, you you and I both read some of his book. But how much of the book do you think is authentic? Uh, that, that's that's the question, mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe he could start a new party. Call it the Snake Party, the Snake in the Grass Party. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. All right, Jeff, uh, tell everybody how they can find you, how they can listen to you each and every day in the uh, in the afternoons there. It's twitter.com backslash Jeff underscore poor. Look for me on Twitter there. If you want to hear me on the radio, 2 to 5. Uh, so it's going to be AM 92.5 FM, WVNN, and also WVNN.com. We're on iTunes and the iHeartRadio app. And you hadn't been fired from Yellowhammer and Breitbart. We can still catch you on there, right? You can still catch me on there. I'm probably not writing quite as much as I once did for Yellowhammer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm still there at least three four times a week. All right, gotcha. Well, Jeff, I appreciate it as always, buddy, and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon, my friend. All right, man. Thanks for having me on again. There you go, my man, Jeff Poor, Breitbart, Yellowhammer, WVNN. Y'all make sure check him out. Again, as I always tell you guys, 
he's up there in North Alabama. So for y'all in the area, two to five, 92.5. You can hear him on your way home. If you're not listening to this podcast, you can listen to this podcast whenever you want to. So give, uh, give my buddy Jeff a listen, especially if you're wanting to find out what's going on in Alabama politics. He's got you covered. He'll hook you up. Nobody knows more about Alabama politics than that guy. I don't know. It's probably a tight race between him and Beeson. Beeson, Beeson knows a lot. Speaking of, we got to get Beeson on this show again soon. I got to hit him up, see when he's going to come on. I don't want him on the phone, though. I want him in studio. I want him sitting right there, right across from me. We'll see if we can get that hooked up. Over the line, overthelineshow.com. Andrew McLean, February 13th, 2019. Y'all stick around. Show.com. 
So as we're talking about this immigration deal to prevent a government shutdown, I've said this once or twice about, uh, what's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Mitch McConnell. Standing in front of uh, a, a room full of cameras and reporters talking about uh, what he thinks about the new immigration bill. And here is what good old Mitch McConnell said about it. First of all, I hope he signs the bill. And second, I think he ought to feel free to use whatever tools he can legally use to enhance his effort to secure the border. So he's saying that uh, he thinks he should go the route of getting extra money through, you know, the the emergency, does it, national emergency, whatever, whatever he can use, legally use. But he's also encouraging him to sign the bill. Again, because, and I think I disagree with Jeff on this front about how bad it affects Republicans. Because I feel like conservatives and Republicans know better. They can see the games that the Democrats are playing. So they know who is actually at fault here. Now, that was Mitch McConnell. That was Senate Majority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell. Now for the Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer. Here was his response. Madam President. Democratic Are we in leader? a quorum, Madam President? We are. I ask unanimous consent. The quorum be dispensed with. Without objection. Now, Madam President, last night the country heard some good news. The members of the conference committee announced a tentative agreement to keep the government open past Friday, as well as provide additional border security. It was welcome news. Everyone on the conference committee worked very hard and should be commended for their efforts. This guy, I just, I can barely listen to Chuck Schumer speak because he sounds like uh, he's doing story time at the library for a bunch of first graders. Every time I, I hear him speak, that's all I can think of. I talk to them regularly. Everyone wanted to get something done. Everyone wanted to avoid a government shutdown. And so while the details are still being hammered out, the tentative agreement represents a path forward for our country, away from another round of fraught negotiations up against a government funding cliff away from a dreaded government shutdown. Now listen to the way he talks up the government shutdown. They, they speak in terms of it's the end of the world if the government shuts down, because in their minds, everything revolves around the government. You, the average citizen, you need the government. You cannot live your life without the government. You need us. You are dependent on us. You will not survive without us. We are the oxygen that you breathe. Over the past few months, we've been lurching from one manufactured crisis to another. It would be a wonderful thing for this. And let me say this about manufactured crisis. The party of global warming, the, the party that says we will cease to exist in 10 years if we do not reverse climate change is accusing Donald Trump and the Republicans of manufacturing a crisis when, on one end, global warming, we have not seen one person die from global warming. 
On the other side, the crisis of illegal immigration, we watch people die on a regular basis, murdered, brutally murdered, and raped and trafficked on a regular basis. Now tell me which is the manufacturer crisis? Which is the party that manufactures a crisis? Congress to pass bills that settle the budget issues for the rest of this year and for the country to finally move past. Hopefully, hopefully, that's what this agreement will portend. Hopefully, this agreement means that there won't be another government shutdown on Friday, sparing the country another nightmare of furloughed federal employees, snarled airports, and economic hardship. And A dreaded government shutdown, a nightmare for the American people of the government shutdown. It's a nightmare. Hopefully, it means that we will pass not only the DHS appropriations bill, but all six other appropriations bills done in a bipartisan way that have been caught in the tangle of these negotiations since last year. Each of these bills is a product of bipartisan consensus. Each contains more support for programs to help the American people additional funding for infrastructure, housing, money to combat the opioid crisis, and more. We should pass these appropriations bills alongside this agreement on DHS. These months of shutdown politics must come to an end. We now have a bipartisan proposal to accomplish our goals, better secure the border, and avoid another senseless government shutdown. I don't know the details, but the parameters of this are good. So I thank the members of the conference committee. And I'd make one more point. I urge President Trump to sign this agreement. We must not have a rerun of what happened a few months back, where legislators, Democrat and Republican, House and Senate agreed, and President Trump pulled the rug out from under the agreement and caused a shutdown. If he opposes this agreement, the same thing could happen again. We don't need it. So I strongly urge the president to sign this agreement. No one gets everything they want in these agreements. The president must sign it and not, not, not cause another shutdown. The government, I'm sorry, the president must sign this. Must sign. I compel you to sign this agreement, Mr. President. I compel you. Democrats, they stand for shutdowns. That's why they talk it up so much. They want they 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 use that as uh, for political posturing. They want it to seem a lot worse than it is, so they can then weaponize it to get what they want or stop what they don't want. They make it seem like the worst thing in the world. There's so many things that could be said about Chuck Schumer's response. I won't get too far in it. Uh, but the main thing you need to know is the party that accuses the other of manufacturing a crisis is the ones actually manufacturing crises. As I've told you time and time again, the Democrat Party is notorious for accusing the other side of doing exactly what they themselves are doing. Look at the racism. The racism of 
telling black people they're, they're not capable of getting an ID to prove who they are when they go vote. The racism of wearing blackface and then not resigning from your post like any Republican would be forced to do if it came out he wore blackface. Treating conservatives that are African-American like subhuman, they're racist. That's why they're so adamant about calling Republicans the racist ones. That's why they're so adamant about calling Donald Trump a racist president. Nonetheless, that will continue to go on. And uh, if you keep up with the Over the Line Facebook page, we'll make sure you are updated on uh, every move that is made as far as this new agreement goes. We will keep you up to date. Now, over to Monday night, the, the, the president's rally in El Paso. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming you guys watched it. It was great. Uh, he, he went on about all the things that he always talks about, and now they've started this slogan, and you saw the big banner at the rally. He says, finish the wall. And it's something he's been saying over the past weeks and months. He's like, hey, we've already got stuff up. We've already got borders going on. We just want to fill in the gaps. Why do we want to fill in the gaps? Because Border Patrol is asking us to. It's not because Donald Trump wants it. It's not because Donald Trump is is fulfilling a campaign promise. I think we, the American people, we, the conservatives, we, the Trump supporters, are more concerned with the political ramifications than Donald Trump himself is. Because remember, Donald Trump is doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He can be living a much better life, a, a much uh, a, a, a life filled with less stress if he weren't doing this, if he weren't doing this job for free, which is what he's doing. He's working for free. And it's consuming Every everyone every day, all day, it is consuming his time. And he's not taking a dime for it. So because he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have he he does not have to have all this stress and all this worry. He will live, he can go back, hang it up, and live a much better life than any of us could probably ever dream of. Playing golf, playing with the grandkids, doing whatever he wants to do. So the political ramifications for him, he don't really care. Because when this is all said and done, he's going to say, I did what I could do to make this country a better place. Now I'm headed back to the House. If he loses in 2020, he's taking it back to Mar-a-Lago. No big deal. The rest of us, though, we've still got to deal with it. And that's why we're so concerned about the political uh, implications, ramifications of getting this wall done. So the rally went on in El Paso, just right down the street, just a block or two away from the Trump rally, Beto O'Rourke decides to hold, I guess, what you could call an anti-Trump rally. And now the, the amount of people that showed up to Beto's rally was a fraction of a fraction of the amount of people that Donald Trump had at his. I think the arena could fit in 10,000 people, and then there were thousands and thousands of people outside of the rally watching on TVs. 
They didn't even get to go inside, and they still stuck around just so they could just be in the vicinity of the president as he gave his speech. But over down the street at Beto O'Rourke's rally, it was quite the sight. Because even though the crowd was much, much smaller, uh, the rally itself was surrounded by fences and barricades. And could there be anything more ironic? Beto O'Rourke at the border doing what can be only summed up as an anti-Trump rally and surrounding the event with barriers, with fencing, with barricades. Needless to say, he did not bring that up in his speech. He didn't address the fact that he was surrounded by fences, but I guess there was no need to. I also noticed um, in the crowd at the Beto O'Rourke rally, and keep in mind, Beto O'Rourke not even running for office, any sort of office. He actually just lost a Senate bid to Ted Cruz after the, the mainstream media loudly proclaimed that he was going to beat Ted Cruz. They were so excited. It didn't happen. Uh, members of the crowd had a Trump pinata hanging up, and they were taking turns beating that Trump pinata with a bat, violently beating the Trump pinata, and I guess getting out some of their aggression, angrily going after this thing. Now, keep in mind, let's go back three, four years and you've got a conservative rally. Let's call it a Tea Party rally. That's even better. It's a Tea Party rally, and there is a Obama pinata hanging from a string. Okay, first of all, that's going to be your first freakout. Second of all, then you've got a bunch of pasty white people coming up and hitting that pinata with a bat. It would be a national scandal. And the people that were seen in those videos and in those pictures, they would be cast from society. They would have been fired from their jobs. And they would probably never be able to work anywhere except McDonald's ever again. They would suffer tremendous repercussions. But a Trump pinata and people beating the crap out of it while he's a sitting president, no big deal. Another thing I noticed at the Beto rally was the fact that there were no... Beto protesters. There were no MAGA hats. There was there was nobody there that went in and protested the Beto rally. You don't ever see that at Democrat rallies. You don't ever see any protesters busting up in there and uh, causing a scene in the middle of their speech. There was also no MAGA hats in there that were beaten up on innocent Beto supporters or anything like that. Didn't see any of those things happen. All the Trump supporters actually decided to go support their guy instead of oppose the other guy. Now, there was one situation which the ending of it was caught on video. Um, a guy that pushed a BBC cameraman. And this was uh, supposedly a Trump supporter. He was wearing a red... Uh, Make America Great Again hat, and I don't know if somebody ran into somebody or what, but the guy turns around and pushes the BBC cameraman. Now, as you know, even if somebody in a red cap bumps into a reporter or a cameraman, 
people will say Trump instructed this person to attack the media. But this seemed to be a drunk guy that took something a little too far by pushing this cameraman. So the White House came out and they condemned that happening at the El, El Paso rally. And I, again, I'm shocked that I'm not seeing the media report breathlessly on this. And maybe they are. I just missed it. I haven't seen it yet. But uh, the interesting part of it was once that happened, once that guy pushed the cameraman, all the Trump supporters around this guy immediately grabbed the guy and walked him to the Secret Service who then kicked them out, kicked that guy out of the event. So you had the Trump fans that stopped this guy from attacking the media and got him booted out. When's the last time you've seen a extreme leftist attack a Trump supporter and their fellow leftist jumped in to stop the guy from doing it? When's the last time you saw that happen? I can answer that for you. You've never seen that happen because it doesn't happen. If anything, they jump in. I think this is the moment uh, that that, uh, that happens where the cameraman gets pushed. Oh, this is the actual footage from the cameraman, I believe. Let me play this. I haven't listened to this yet, so let me see uh, what happens. Americans, Hispanic Americans, and Asian Americans have reached the lowest level in the history of our country. Okay, it doesn't really show anything. Uh, it shows the back. It shows the cameraman, like the camera shot, like going to the ground or whatever. And then when it comes back, it shows one MAGA hat guy holding back the other MAGA hat guy that pushed the cameraman and walking him out as the crowd is booing the guy. Again, you don't see, you don't see people jumping in when somebody's attacking a um, a Trump supporter. Don't ever see it. There's a reason for that. But anyway, that was it. The main uh, topic of discussion in both rallies was the border, the border wall. Uh, obviously, Beto O'Rourke, completely against the border, completely against stopping the flow of illegal immigration. Uh, even when we found out just last night that the DEA busted a huge and sophisticated meth lab near Atlanta, that was run by the Mexican drug cartel and many illegal immigrants. A huge, they described it as huge and sophisticated. They were producing methamphetamine and pumping it through our communities. But the Democrats are okay with that stuff being there. Of course, their argument is a majority of the drugs come through the ports of entry at the southern border. So we don't need a wall. We need to beef up our ports of entry. So apparently, they know enough that they can say most of the drugs that come across the border come through the ports of entry. But how do you know what most is if you're not catching the drugs that are crossing our open borders? You don't know how many drugs, how much, how much, cocaine and meth and heroin and fentanyl are crossing the border because you're not catching it. You don't find it until it's in the system of an 18-year-old who's overdosed in his mom's basement. 
That's when you find it. That's when you find the drugs that cross the border. Of course, it's a majority of the drugs are coming through the port of entry because that's the only drugs you're catching. Duh. So you've got that. Also, we've got a a story about uh, an illegal immigrant who has finally confessed to killing a woman that was found chopped up and stuffed inside of a suitcase. Javier da Silvia has confessed to the murder of 24-year-old Valerie Rees of Westchester County, New York. He was originally from Venezuela, but had remained in the U.S. illegally since the expiration of his visa. And um, now he's convicted or soon to be convicted of a brutal murder. The story went that this Rees chick was reported missing last month after she didn't show up to work and her body ended up being found bound hand and foot, stuffed into a suitcase and left on the side of a road in Connecticut. Absolutely sick. And keep in mind, this was a guy who had a visa in this country, was in this country legally, but did not renew his visa or did not go back home. So he was living here illegally at that time. And people say, oh, but for the people that, you know, they just expired, their their visa expired, and then they get sent back home, it's such an awful injustice. Well, no, it's not. Follow the law. Get it, get it figured out. So we know who you are. We know what you're doing in this country. Because this scumbag would have been sent home if the right thing would have been done. And that chick would have still been alive. It's just like, um, now obviously this guy has not killed anyone, but this rapper that got arrested in Atlanta uh, right before the Super Bowl the 21 Savage. I didn't know who he was before he was in the news. He He's apparently been released on bond, but he had the same situation. He's originally from the UK and was here on a visa. His visa expired. He felt the need to, to not get that renewed or do whatever he had to do. And so he got hemmed up by ICE and they detained him. He finally bonded out and he'll have to go through the court system if he does. Maybe he goes back home. I don't know. But it's the same situation. They'll say, oh, this guy, this poor guy, he just overstayed his visa. No big deal. Follow the laws. Even some Democrats are wanting this 21 Savage to testify in front of Congress. Testify about how ICE treated him during his detention. Can you imagine? This is what Democrats want. They want to bring a tatted up rapper to testify in front of Congress to give them the inside scoop about what's going on with our ICE agency. That's Democrats for you. So, so insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, man, I got to get out of here, but uh, there's several other things to talk about. You got Kamala Harris, who uh, you heard the, I, I guess it was a radio interview, or maybe it was uh 
Yeah, it was a radio interview with The Breakfast Club, which, by the way, that morning show, The Breakfast Club, that's the same, uh, That's the, I think that's the same radio show that Hillary Clinton did when she said she carries hot sauce in her purse. Remember that? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a cast of three, I believe, three African Americans that do this show. And Hillary Clinton went on there and, and talked about how she carries hot sauce in her purse. Anyway, Kamala Harris, she's on this show, and she this was Monday. She claimed that in her college years, she smoked marijuana by listen smoked marijuana and listened to rap music. They asked her who um who she listened to. She said she would smoke weed and listen to Tupac and Snoop Dogg. She was a West Coast gal. Death Row Records, if you will. So Kamala Harris, in in an attempt to make herself look like just one of us, says she smoked weed and listened to Snoop Dogg and, and Tupac while in college. I can't stand these politicians trying to pretend like they're normal people, just like, like we know they're not, but they keep trying to act like they are. I, I don't need... I don't need a president that that lives like me or acts like me or drinks a beer like me or smoked weed in college like me. And I don't need that. I need somebody that's going to get the job done. Whether that's a billionaire from, from New York City or whatever. I don't care if my president is like me or can relate to my past. I don't care. But nonetheless, Kamala Harris puts that out there. And then people start crunching the numbers. And I don't know why politicians and public figures don't realize that it's very easy to find this information. But Kamala Harris graduated college in 1986, okay? She said she smoked weed in college while listening to Tupac and Snoop Dogg. And, uh, and then graduated in 86. The problem was Tupac's first album came out in 1991. And Snoop Dogg's first album came out in 1993. But yet somehow she was able to get her hands on an early, 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 early release of a Snoop Dogg and Tupac album back before 1986, which is incredibly impressive. Maybe she's just a time traveler. That's probably what it is. Another thing Kamala Harris did, and y'all saw me comment on this on Twitter, was she said, let me pull this tweet up just to make sure I accurately portray what she said. It was so absurd, I couldn't believe it. She said that... Mm, where you at, Kamala Harris? I can't find you now. Okay, she says, the average tax refund is down about $170 compared to last year. Let's call the president's tax cut what it is. A middle-class tax hike to line the pockets of the already wealthy corporations and the 1%. Now, that is an incredibly stupid tweet to post. And I don't know, I've got to imagine Kamala Harris is smart enough to get into the positions. Oh, wait, never mind. She slept her way to the top. Okay, so let me break down this tweet. She says that the average tax refund is $170 less, less than it was compared to last year. Now, first of all, the first thing you would think is, 
the American people, average Americans, they don't go through the entire year working their budget around their tax refund. They're not waiting on the tax refund for 364 days so they can keep their life in order. They just, people don't do that. For the people that do, that do depend on their tax refund, those people end up blowing their tax refund in two weeks anyway. But that's not the point. The point is, when she says that it's a tax hike on the middle class because tax refunds are $170 less than they were last year, simple math tells you that taxes have not gone up. It actually means that people have overpaid less because taxes have gone down. A smaller refund check simply means that the tax the tax filers, the American people filing their taxes have overpaid their taxes by a smaller amount throughout the year. In other words, taxpayers have kept more of the money they earned, which is money they did not owe to the federal government. It's simple math. And Kamala Harris doesn't understand that. It's amazing, it's amazing the things that these Democrats do to themselves by uh, simply putting out a tweet. Not a good start. For the 2020 field on the Democrat side, it has not been a good start for these guys whatsoever. But best of luck to them. I wish them the best of luck. Listen, I got to get out of here. I appreciate y'all hanging out with me. We got plenty more on the show tomorrow. May even have you a podcast for Friday. I was going to talk about uh, Ilhan Omar and her comments. Donald Trump says she should resign from her post in the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, which would make sense since she hates Israel and is an anti-Semite. But we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Overthelineshow.com. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter. If you need to email me, Andrew at overthelineshow.com. I'll hit you back, I promise. But we'll do it all over again tomorrow. Until then, see you, cuz.